Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because <laughs> yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that he's enough. Hey, I'm Anne. And I'm Kendra, and you're listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. We're glad you're joining us. Um, We love to help couples who are struggling with infertility or miscarriage or adoption or whatever your family planning options have led you on your journey. We want to come alongside you and encourage you. Um, You can connect with us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, um, and of course on the podcast page on American Family Radio. That's right. That's right. So last week we had an awesome couple on that came on to share their story and we got in to about the middle part of their story and we are going to finish that Left up you today. at a bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> we did. We did. But they're back t- for this episode as well. So we're going to get to finish that today. Just a quick recap. We shared about, um, unfortunately, a miscarriage that your family struggled through, um, the fear of trying to conceive again that many of us can relate to. And then you conceived and we're in the middle of sharing about this normal, healthy pregnancy that then at 35 weeks, um, your water broke. And we, mm-hmm. sorry, audience, we left you on that cliffhanger, but we're going to get to <laughs> so hear go the back rest and of their journey. listen to that episode if <laughs> yes. you need to before listening to this one. Yeah, it's like a good TV episode. We left <laughs> right. right on, went into labor <laughs> see you next week. That's right. That's yeah, right. So, uh, I obviously rushed home. Um, it was it was crazy because, like Jamie had said, her fluid had there was mm. she had gotten a lot of fluid. So then, when her water broke, you know, she looked like a completely different person mm. when I saw her. I was like, carrying twenty pounds of just water. Oh my word! Oh my word. So, so it was everywhere. She went from <laughs> she went from looking about nine months pregnant to looking six months pregnant. Uh, it was wow. it was crazy. So then, um, you know, we were, we're living in Tupelo, um, uh, and we drove to Memphis, Tennessee, to deliver the baby because we were seeing a high risk um, and infertility different doctor than we had been seeing. So um, you had to drive all the way to Memphis? yeah. So I had to like channel my inner Vin Diesel because um, <laughs> oh you you think about driving your Fast wife and labor to the yeah. hospital, and that's got to be the most focused, best driving of your life. But, but this is like an hour and a half hour drive. And a half, hour and a half, yeah. Um, and and obviously, and there also was kind of the fear, I guess, yeah. you know, that something is we got to get there. We got to get, get there. there. Nothing, something's mm. not quite right because it's it's not super early, but it's mm. what this was unexpected. So we got there. We got. Um, checked in but I think before I kind of dive into it though just as soon as it happened because of what we walked through with Sawyer we were more of a united front Mm -hmm. from the very beginning there wasn't just this immediate fear or you know just all hope is lost like we were on the same team we were ready to walk Mm -hmm. through this so got checked in you know they checked heartbeats at all these checks everything looked fine but they'd come in and said you know when you do deliver the baby's going to be taken into the NICU regardless just because of the age, just of mm. how far along. We're going to bring the NICU team in here just in case. Yeah. Okay. So um, you were in labor how long? 18 hours. 18 Ooh. hours. 
Um, okay. All right, sis. And when she did deliver. And I, I'll just, I'll say this. His heart rate, as the time progressed, his heart rate was dropping mm-hmm. um, with every mm. contraction. So we had a moment where my doctor came in and was like, they were kind of talking C-section because I wasn't progressing mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know. And so anyways, they were nervous about giving an epidural because they thought his heart rate would plummet every mm. single time I had a contraction, his heart rate dropped. Yeah. And so they kept coming in and being like, this little guy just wants us to be in here because he just <laughs> likes us watching him. So Jake and I made a decision that um, we were going to have this baby and we were going to have this baby naturally as much as we could. I love that you say we. I was just yeah. there. <laughs> he, he about passed out. No. Um, no word. Um, so so yeah. no epidural for those 18, 19 hours. It was correct. Yeah. Rough. Ooh, yeah. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Oh so when it was time to push, I guess you could say, there were at least 11 or 12 people. Oh, oh my word. There was maybe like 20 people. Yeah, in it, there was, it, <laughs> it was, was shoulder like a to shoulder. Team of people. So That's I was, not intimidating. I was standing behind the hospital bed because that was about the only place I could stand mm. if not to go to the bath, into the bathroom or something. So, um, everyone was just watching me. Yeah. So mm. he was, uh, so he came and, uh, he was not breathing. Mm. Um, okay. they immediately took him um, we didn't even get to see him. Didn't really get to see him mm. at all. Um, and had to immediately have assisted breathing for him. Mm. Um, and he was just taken away, like, mm. immediately. Uh, the doctors kind of were just checking on Jamie, and I nearly passed out, like she said. So I mm. was eating Jello and drinking a Coke or something. And, um, and we were about, just alone in our room. And, and we had been up mm. all night, so... Um, I think we both fell asleep for like 30 minutes just because we just kind of passed out from just you, physical exhaustion, me from, I don't even know what, just being tired. And a doctor, the head of the NICU team at that hospital came in and just woke us both up and said, "Um, hey, I don't really know how to tell you this, but your baby is going to die. Oh, my gosh. And and that's when he told us that he Mm. was going to be airlifted to Labonner. Uh, which is the children's hospital in Memphis there, which was a, uh, that was definitely a God thing because if he had been born where we live, there wouldn't have been. Um, we wouldn't have gotten any time. Yeah, there wouldn't mm. have been any treatments or, you know, care available for him that would have kept him alive. So, um, so like I said earlier, you know, we were more of a united front walking into this. So we mm. had a little bit clearer head on our shoulders after walking through loss with Sawyer. So we talked and, um, when Jake they wanted to stay there with me, he's being modest, but he wanted to stay there with me. And I remember grabbing his hand cause I couldn't leave. And I remember saying, um, there's another person in our family now oh. and you have to go. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for him to leave my side. Um, but luckily my sister, like I said, she was there and, um, Jake left and he drove to be by our son Baron's side, um, for his whole journey the first couple of hours at Le Bonner and be his advocate. Mm-hmm. So. And Jamie's being modest because she's <laughs> leaving this part out. She was in labor 18 hours and delivered a baby. And then how many hours later did they discharge you? Eight. Like they um, normally they make you stay like a minimum of 24 or 36 or something. Yeah. It was actually only two. Okay. So <laughs> they, I mean, so they, she convinced them to discharge her because that's just mm. how much of a a champion of life she is so she yeah so um i, I was there to be with them yeah, yeah. 
So, but I remember um, driving over the speed bumps in that parking lot, mm. like, and I'll never forget it. Yeah. Oh. Oh, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you've, so then he was taken to the, uh, NICU of Le Bonner, which, um, if you've never been in a NICU of any, uh, hospital, it's a very, the first time you walk in, it's just, a something that you never expect to do, whether it's right. your child or visiting a family member or a, something like that. It's just something, a place you never really expect to go and, uh, definitely a place you never expect to see your 24 hours before you expected it to be a completely healthy baby. Yeah. And when you go into a NICU at a normal hospital, um, most of the baby, and I am making a very generalized statement, but the majority of the babies, like this is why the head of the NICU was like, there's nothing else we can do for him. And I kind of learned this with our adoption is that most of the kids that are in the hospitals that are in normal hospitals, most of those babies are coming out. Mm-hmm. But when you are just into, too small or something, yeah, like that, or there's, there's no something, sickness or, um, well, yeah. But when you go into a NICU in a children's right. hospital, a lot of those babies aren't coming out. Mm. Um, and we were one of those cases. We walked in fully believing that God was going to bring Baron out of that hospital. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can talk about our, our, uh, our journey there. We were there for about two months. Yeah. We were there 60 wow. days and there were a lot of hills and valleys and test run. And we saw so many, we saw, I mean, I kept a list on my phone. I still have it of over a hundred doctors, specialists, uh, therapists, nurses, whatever you, I mean, technicians, just all these tests that have been run. You wrote down every one of their names and we prayed for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just uh, because basically they never could find out what was wrong with them. He never breathed on his own. He never Mm -hmm. opened his eyes on his own. He just, um, and so they never were able to figure out what was wrong with them. So they were running they tests. They sent his case over, you know, to, you know, other doctors across the country. So um, we never got a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I just remember them having care conferences with us. And basically our doctors got very attached to us. And I, I remember one doctor that we were really good friends with um, just cried and was like, I don't know what to tell you about Mm. two weeks in usually when you were passing those rooms there's like all of the beeps and the dings and all the syringes hanging Mm -hmm. and when you walked in our room there was nothing so um baron had about two weeks in they were running all the tests they couldn't find anything we were seeing every single specialist hematology neurology all these specialists and about two weeks in um to this baby who just wasn't breathing but didn't show any diagnoses or signs of anything else he started seizuring at about two weeks in Mm -hmm. um and the seizures got more frequent Mm -hmm. more intense Mm -hmm. and so we had an mri and that's when the neurology team took a special focus on us and the neurology team came in and they were like we've got to do an mri and i remember the um, each team has like a different look, like the hematologists look like they just got out of a, you know, they, they just look like they just went camping and like the <laughs> neurologists come in and they look like mad scientists and like all of them wear glasses. It's so funny. And so, but I'll, I will never forget our neurologist because he, um, 
was like preparing us. He was like, we're going to get this MRI and I'm just preparing you up front. Something is probably going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember we, you know, were like sending prayer requests out and I'll never forget when, and Jake is so true about this, like we were a team and I remember mm-hmm. looking at him and being like, we are going to go walk around this hospital, like the walls of Jericho, mm-hmm. and we are going to pray the sickness off our son. Mm-hmm. We walked that hospital Every single square inch mm. of that hospital. It was the middle of August. Like it was hot. It was hot outside. <laughs> and we were sweating and praying and worshiping, like had our worship music on. Like people were passing us and we're like, these people <laughs> are nuts. But we knew that this was the test mm. that was going to tell us what was wrong. And we were praying into that diagnosis. So the and neurologist came back. The neurologist came back and we were in like the break room or where you eat or where whatever and he came in and told us and the results were completely normal he had a perfectly healthy brain um and so that just it was a major blessing and we were so thrilled to hear that news but he was not responding to seizure medication and still was not showing any improvement the seizures were getting more intense and more frequent and he was and the neurologist said it he was like this makes my job a lot harder but this is great Mm -hmm. like that you all should celebrate this, but it makes my job a lot harder. We tried everything we could. Um, they did all the tests. We even got the like most expensive genetic test that you can get to tell Jake. They got blood from Jake. They got blood from me. They got blood from Baron. Like we were just grasping to figure out what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, then they brought in palliative care. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and, um, you know, when they brought in palliative care, you know, um, we kind of figured we weren't getting out of there. Right. Alive. And um, that was just, you know, mm. we like I said, we there were a lot of hills and valleys in there. And I think that we had just kind of come to the point when um, I guess the thing that might have just made it easier was that it was not sudden at all. Mm. Uh, it was a, uh, just a, a series of struggles and successes in there but ultimately they could not find out what was wrong with him and he uh he passed away when he was two months old mm. october 1st 2017 mm-hmm. yeah so Lord, you guys so no one ever prepares you to <laughs> lose a child no one ever prepares you to lose you know your first two children mm-hmm. and then we were sitting and there losing both so differently yeah losing both so differently and then we're sitting there you know we're both one of five kids. We wanted to have kids. Now we don't even know if we can have healthy children. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you had a nursery, I'm sure, back home oh, already yeah. Yeah. for him to come it home. It became mm-hmm. my prayer room. Mm. I would sit in front of that empty... Sorry. I can feel it like this was yesterday. I would sit in front of that empty crib and just pray. And mm. it's, you know, interesting that y'all's name is Hannah's Heart because there was a lot of prayer that I just, that's all, that's all I did all day. Like, thank goodness I quit my job because all I did was sit there and pray because it's all the only thing I could do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were now in a situation with an empty nursery and we didn't know if we could have healthy children. And here we are two people desperately wanting a family. Um, and we didn't know if we could have it. Because the genetic test didn't end up telling no, anything. No, a genetic test ended up telling us nothing. They told us um, that what they ended up telling us was that if Barrett had something, 
they would it was not discovered mm-hmm. yet and it, like if we had subsequent pregnancies it would be something that would be almost like named like you know what i'm saying wow. it would ne- right. it was never seen mm. before and if we and they did say to us we couldn't find anything but if y'all do have other pregnancies and this surfaces again then we will oh, need God. to you know mm-hmm. look at that and so him and i both um prayed through that like lord are we supposed to have a family i remember looking at jake after all this and i remember looking at him and being like I'm so sorry. Mm. I couldn't give you this family. And he was like, why are you even saying that? And I'm like, you know, I just, it takes two people. But at the same time, I felt so much of the weight of it mm. was on me as a woman, yeah. as a woman, like I carried him and y'all, I went through, what did I eat? What did I do? I mm. hyper-focused on mm. everything I did. The and devil plays the blame game. Yes. Mm. I hyper-focused like every single time a doctor came in our room, I was like, well, I ate fish this one time and they were like no like no and um but I remember having a conversation with Jake and looking at him and being like if it's only us is this enough for you Mm. and I'll never forget Jake saying when I married you this was enough for me and if even if we don't have kids Mm. he was like you are who God has for me and I'm not changing on that. And so I'll never, like, I mean, I love him so much, but he really, really just kept us grounded in that, that moment because I was like, I mean, we, we put Baron in the ground and I was like, I'm not okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't even know where to go from here. So, um, we started praying through, what do we, where do we go? Do we just close the door of wanting children? Lord, can we even have healthy children? And we both prayed through it and we both said, you know, I just, I just don't know the answer to it. And I didn't really feel like either one of us was getting a clear word from God on, could we have healthy children? But we, we got to a point where we decided, Lord, whatever you have for us, loss or life, we are going to be receiving of your gifts Mm. because you are a good God. And really, honestly, after we lost Baron, we really went into, we really didn't question God. We really spent time just us two in a NICU for two months. And I'll tell you this, I learned so much about God's character and I did not wrestle with him during Baron with Baron once like I know God loves Baron and so you would think that we were just like God you're not a good God you're you're not a good God literally every Mm. single person that walked in that Nikki room knew who our God was Mm. and we made sure that that they knew that Baron was a child of God and God loved Baron and I remember our doctors being like these people are crazy they think (laughs) that they're getting out of here and maybe we were Mm. maybe we were but we fully believed that God was going to heal Baron Mm. and he did Mm-hmm. He just didn't do it the way we thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. So um, we prayed about it and we really felt like God was like, you know what? This is, I'm gonna, we're going to just close the door on wanting more children um, from your womb and adoption became mm-hmm. our topic. You know, Lord, we have this desire to have a family. Wanting children, I feel like is, I feel like I just, and I believe this, 
desiring children is a good God-given mm-hmm. desire. And I yes. feel like when you talk to people through it, they're like, you know, maybe you should just release that desire. God is, you know, for our families. Yeah, God is for, you know, the advancement of the gospel through our families. And so God is for more people having more children and advancing the kingdom of God. So wanting children is a good God-given desire, however that comes. And so we decided to adopt. Mm -hmm. Um, And then into our adoption, we literally, I remember talking to Jake about adoption. He was like, I don't know. And then you were on board first because I'd. I didn't have anything against it. I just kind of felt like I was giving up on God to mm-hmm. have kids, you know, our own kids. Like I was giving up, like it just can't be done. So it took me longer to come around to the fact that, you know, if we adopt it, we'll be our kid and we're all God's children. So, right. you know, if we want to have kids, this yeah. this may be our God's plan for us. And mm-hmm. we did end up adopting and that's... Uh, and actually, I, it's so funny because we prayed about it and I went to Jake and I remember it was my birthday of right after we lost Baron, December of 2017. And we went to dinner and Jake gave me this little, you know, pay, paper and I opened it up and it was our adoption form completely filled out. And I remember looking at him and being like, I just, I was coming to talk to you and thinking that we shouldn't adopt, like, you know, because I felt like, you know, the one thing I want to say about marriage is the one thing that we learned through Barron is that if we are not on the same page and we are not unified, then we cannot make a decision because God made us one. And so we are one spirit. And so if we are not together on anything, then one of us can't walk in, like we can't walk into adoption if both of us are not on the same team. We can't walk into wanting another child if both of us are not on the same team because when we decided to get married, God made us one flesh. And so I feel like God, his spirit and my spirit will meet up on the Mm. same thing. And that's when God says, okay, move forward in that. And Mm -hmm. so anyways, when he gave me the papers on adoption, I was like, well, I I was coming to tell you that I was, I feel like God was putting (laughs) us where you were at. And finally God, you know, spoke into me and was like, no, this is the path I have for you guys. And I want you to step forward in that. And Jake leaded the charge on that. Like he was like, nope, God told me. And I'm the one that's like, God told me this. I think, should I just, and Jake's like, no, God told me, Mm. (laughs) you know, like Jake doesn't question God's voice, which I love that about him. He's like, nope, God told me this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, we decided to adopt. Mm -hmm. And very soon after that, like less than a month, right. Mm-hmm. We found out that we were pregnant with Sayla. Oh, oh wow. I did not realize the timeline was <laughs> yes. like so. Yeah, it was October very close. of twenty. I'll just clarify. October of twenty seventeen, Baron died, and so my body had not adjusted um, to normal. Po- normal, like I was still yeah. in postpartum. I mean, I carried my son for thirty five weeks, so my body was not giving me any signs of even where it was at. So. In December, I got a positive pregnancy test. Oh, my wow. And I remember looking at Jake being like, I After don't we even tried, know this is po- I don't right. even know how this is possible. After wow. we had tried for so long and had to go through everything and we weren't really even trying. It's not like we had given up, but, you know, it just happened. And I was still breastfeeding. And you're in the middle of the adoption process at yes. this point, too. Yeah. Yes. So oh we word. had started all paperwork and all this stuff and interviews and um you know we kind of when we got pregnant you know we kind of had the conversation is like well what do we do now are we still going to adopt and it was a quick conversation we were like yeah god called us to mm. adopt so we did um and we're going to walk in that with both with ex- right. being expectant of both um and people might have called us crazy because we were crazy yeah <laughs> 
So uh, while Jamie walked through her pregnancy, we were walking through a paper pregnancy wow. with Bowen. Sayla uh, uh, <laughs> was born in September of 2018. Mm. And um, it was, uh, you know, that pregnancy and not a lot was, of people, uh, as far as adoption goes, you know, you have to disclose that you are pregnant. And, right. and that is mm-hmm. difficult for some birth moms to, you know, get. So I think it was hard for us because our adoption journey felt so long. And I guess mm-hmm. like when you see you and you're putting yourself on paper, you want to be like, I'm super awesome. Pick me. Yeah. And then I, see, I think we saw over 100 cases and they said no no to us and you know you get in your head mm. is there something wrong with me yeah. like is mm-hmm. there you know and um then i always thought i always thought i heard god's word saying that our adoption was supposed to be their next step mm. so then when sayla was born um or when when her due date was coming up i was like oh sayla's coming first and that actually is really important to our story because of Bowen. But mm-hmm. you can just talk about Sayla. I know you love Sayla so much. Well, Sayla was born so September. Oh, we sorry. have two minutes left in the show. Okay. <laughs> so we might have to have y'all on again to get to these kiddos that the y'all reward. have now. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, would you mind, Jake, praying us out this Sure. Time? Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to just um, talk about you and how you've influenced our lives and uh, how we give you glory for all this. Um, Just thank you so much for your direction in all of our lives and that we can trust you um, and just that you have what's best for us. And um, just pray that we would continue to put you first in everything and um, give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you all for listening to Hannah's Heart. Um, Make sure you go see part one of this story, and we're going to let you hear part three, the conclusion and all of the rewards and blessings. So stay tuned for more from Hannah's Heart.